Hello, hello. You are listening to Why the World Needs You podcast, hosted by me, Benjamin Fritz. This podcast has been created to empower you to become the person you've always wanted to be. The journey is difficult and the challenges are many, but the rewards of being true to yourself are immeasurable. The objective of this show is to give you a safe, supportive space to learn, gain inspiration, and witness the true power and freedom that comes with becoming the person that you are meant to be. Why the World Needs You is a community of purpose-driven individuals who are passionate, gifted, and have a zest for life. They deeply desire to share their unique voice and gifts in order to make the world a better place for themselves and future generations. They are pulled to a different way of living and a higher purpose, while remaining grounded in their desire to engage and contribute in practical ways. My goal is for you to walk away from each episode with confidence and conviction, sharing your authentic self with the world, as well as a deepening understanding of your potential to impact the world in a way that makes sense to you. I'm honored to have this privilege. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day and your journey. Hello, and welcome to the Why the World Needs You podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Fritz, and today I have Sam Lodge here with me. Sam is a holistic hormonal health nutritionist specializing in PCOS and period problems, helping women use food, movement, and lifestyle shifts to bring their hormones back into balance. In 2018, she left a desk job in politics to take her nutrition practice full-time, working remotely online so she could feed her other passion, traveling the world while helping women across the globe harness their hormones to supercharge their personal and professional lives. Sam is an avid foodie, adventurer, dog lover, and an advocate of an all-foods-fit approach to eating. She currently splits her time between her home of New York City and her adopted home of Brisbane, Australia, where she met her partner while studying abroad in 2014. Sam, thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm really excited for this. Awesome. Well, we shared a a little bit about your story there, and I pretty much just want to start by diving in. You have such an interesting journey. I'm sure people want to hear all about it. So let's just go ahead and start off with you kind of giving us a background on like, give us the, give us the details on that. How did, how did that happen? There's a lot going on there. Yeah, there is a lot going on. (laughs) Um, so I, um, I had been working in lobbying actually in DC for a couple years right out of college. And I actually really liked my desk job, contrary to a lot of what you hear about people who kind of like quit their jobs to travel the world, right? Um, I liked my job, but it it just wasn't really right for me. Um, I was working there while my dad was battling um, cancer in New York, and I was kind of splitting my time between the two cities. Um, and in uh, in March of 2017, my dad actually passed away. And um, that was sort of the defining moment of my life. My dad was my best friend. And um, you know, it really, it was kind of a reckoning for me, right? It was, uh, my dad was a doctor. He loved his work. We had to basically like beg him to stop working towards the end. Um, and, and that was really impactful for me, um, seeing just how much he loved going into the office every day. And, um, you know, he, he passed away at age 57. And, um, you know, I remember he said to me when he was in hospice, he said, thank God this isn't happening to you he named a friend of his, um, because that friend had worked at a job that they hated their whole life, um, so that they could retire at 55 and, and just live their best life. And they are now, but, um, you know, if that had been my dad, he, he would have wasted, you know, years of his life being unhappy. 
And that really, really stuck with me. Um, and it, it just, that grief process was something that really opened my eyes to, you know, all the cliches that we use that are, are actually quite true. You know, life is really short and um, our time is so precious and none of us know how much we have. So, you know, I kind of, I asked myself, I was like, okay, well, how do I want to feel in my life? Right. I want to feel fulfilled. I want to feel excited. I want to um, experience new things. I want to feel just deeply alive again. Um, you know, grief had really taken that from me um, for a long time. And, and I kind of worked backwards in there and I was like, okay, well, what brings me those feelings? And so far in my life, it had been travel. Um, and, you know, I knew that in order to be able to travel, I'd have to um, work for myself remotely. I had looked for jobs online. And I was like, you know, what? I'm just, I'm not a developer. I'm not like a tech kind of person. And, and I was like, I really want to do work that lights me up just like my dad did. Right. And so um, at the same time, I was experiencing my own journey with PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is a pretty much the most common hormonal imbalance, about six to 12% of women in the U.S., um, and roughly, you know, about 10% of women worldwide struggle with PCOS. And I had, um, I had sought out uh, holistic support from my care team, my endocrinologist, my doctor, my primary care doctor. Um, and pretty much no one could really give me any answers beyond, oh, you know, there's no fixing this, go back on the pill. I think my endocrinologist literally laughed in my face and I was like, all right, that's it. Um, and I had always had a passion for holistic health. My mom is an Eastern doctor. She's a Chinese herbalist and acupuncturist. And obviously my dad was a doctor. So that intersection of, you know, treating a person's health as this whole picture was really important to me. And so I started working on my own health, um, and started to see really major changes when I started, um, you know, managing my stress, changing my diet, things like that. Um, but I was just kind of stuck at this plateau. And so about the same time that my dad passed away, my health was just sort of exploding. Um, and I decided to enroll to become a nutritional therapist. So I kept my job. I studied online part-time um, over the course of a year and I graduated and started my program. Um, it just so happened that my lease was up in June and my program ended in June and just kind of felt like the perfect moment. I had been saving for around the world trip since I had like started working as a teenager. And I, so I, I, very methodically planned everything out. I didn't just, you know, quit my job, sell my stuff and start traveling the world. Um, but I, you know, cashed in that savings account and, um, and I just decided it was time to, to chase my dream and to really build a very intentional life that made me feel very alive and, and fulfilled and aligned, um, every day, you know, not kind of waiting for someday, but really making every single day, something to marvel at and enjoy. Um, and since then I've been running my uh, virtual practice. Um, as you said, I'm, I'm working, you know, everywhere in the world these days, my partner's Australian, obviously with the quarantine right now, um, I'm in New York and he's there. So not so much with the travel, but still, um, working virtually with my clients. And, um, I help other women who are seeking a holistic approach to, um, you know, hormonal imbalance symptoms like acne or bloating, fatigue, um, irregular cycles, uh, you know, unwanted hair growth, unwanted sudden weight gain, things like that. Um, and it's just been the most amazing journey, but also the most rewarding. Thank you so much for sharing. Oh man, so much there. Uh, I guess I, I want to start right away with talking about the passing of your dad. And first of all, you know, condolences. I I can't even imagine. Um, you know, I, I starting to get emotional even thinking mm -hmm. about what that would mean for me, and. I can only imagine the impact that had 
uh, for me, you know, I had a moment in my life where I had health issues a couple of years ago and they were bad enough to like put me on my ass and like really force me to look at things. I've talked to other people who have had um, a parent go through an illness or pass away from an illness. And it really truly does, like you said, the things that we that sound cliche or we use as, you know, little sound bites of, of, you know, no regrets and things like that. They do like, it's a, it's a thing, right? Like we say that for a reason. And so around that, like how, I guess I want people to kind of feel the shift, like how different was your mindset before and after that in terms of, Oh shit. I've like, how much of a fire did it light under your ass? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's weird because the thing that was the most painful and devastating was also the thing that um, really made me wake up and live my life. <laughs> I kind of, um, I like to liken it to the matrix where, um, you know, losing a parent at the age of 23, it really, it opens your eyes to, um, sort of the the terrible beauty, I call it, of life where, you know, on the one hand, you can experience such dark and painful emotions. And on the other hand, you're also seeing this beautiful side of humanity, like all of my friends and family that showed up for me and really were there for me. Um, But when you lose somebody, it really makes it so clear just how much they matter to you and the lessons they imparted to you. Like for me, I really wanted to figure out how to make meaning out of something that doesn't have meaning, right? We all pass away. That's just how life is. But Mm -hmm. um, for me, it was really, okay, how do I bring everything that my dad taught me? Because he was such an incredible guy. Um, How do I bring that into my life now? And, And going through this process of grief over, you know, the first like nine months to a year, it was just like my entire understanding of the world was just stripped down bare. Um, And I, again, you know, the matrix thing I like to say to people, like it's, it's, it's basically like you've been living your life on autopilot, just kind of checking, kind of checking those boxes that, um, you know, society sets out for you, right? Like go to school, graduate, get a good job, climb this, climb the corporate ladder, you know, get the promotion, get the raise, um, get a house with a mortgage, get engaged, all these things. And you're just kind of checking them off and they make you happy. I'm not saying they don't, but, but I don't think many of us really stop and ask what outside of that framework that we've been given might also make us happy and really question it. And so for me, it was kind of like I'd woken up from the matrix and somebody had handed me, you know, they did the whole, like, you can take the red pill Mm -hmm. and wake up and kind of chase your dreams or you can take the blue pill and go back to sleep, right? Go back to your nine to five job. That's a great job. You know, you like your coworkers, but you're just kind of checking in every day and checking out. Um, Or you can really, really wake up and it's scary and it, it requires a huge leap of faith and a lot of failure along the way, as you know, like starting your own business, being an entrepreneur is terrifying and it's mm-hmm. the fastest course to self-development that you could ever yep. undertake. <laughs> but um, it was just the most eye-opening process realizing, you know, I don't have these days to waste on my couch. Right. Or, or like people who come to me and they're like, Oh, I, like, I wish I could do what you do. It's so cool. I'm like, but you can, Because the other part of this, like the reason I'm so passionate about the digital nomad movement and remote work in general is that we live in the age of possibility, right? Like never before have human beings had such unbridled access to information. 
I mean, the current model of social media is basically people who are experts in their field teach so that they can gain a following and then they monetize that with brand partnerships, right? So you're getting all of this amazing free content and you can teach yourself anything for free. All it really takes is time, dedication, and, you know, that, that, you know, freedom from, well, back up. All, all it really takes is the time and dedication, um, to spend your extra hours doing that, you know, like, are you going home and sitting on the couch and scrolling through Instagram after work because you're super burnt out? Or are you taking that vision you have for a better life, for a more fulfilled life? And are you, you know, coming home from work and logging online to study a course in something that you really love, whether it's tech design or like maybe you want to open a shelter for dogs, like whatever it is, there's just so much potential and possibility. And what's kind of strange is that this really awful and, and formative life event for me was the thing that was necessary in order to, for me to wake up in a way. Yeah. I think it's really incredible because I, I hear that a lot on this podcast, right? Like sure. that's, that's kind of the theme, but that's truly, that's like one of the key pieces that I want people to take away is your pain or your struggle is so often your greatest teacher if you let yeah, it be. Absolutely. And so that's, I mean, just the, the state of the world that we're in now, I think we're, you know, it's a very unique situation for individuals, but also for the world as a collective to really, you know, wake up to kind of have mm. this matrix moment, you know, on a, on a very large scale, right? Because yeah. we're all kind of going through this together. We're all kind of having this painful period but so much can come from that. Um, yeah. But the other thing I wanted to say, I love how you use the the matrix thing because it's it's so true. And that's like, like there's really no better way to describe it because the, the interesting thing is that once your eyes are kind of opened to, I like, you know, you said the word alive and that's what I resonate really strongly with mm-hmm. because for me, without going through my whole story, I worked in a field for two years that I went to school for. I was in a cubicle and I left that and the, and I went into personal training and I, I was in a gym and like with clients and I just felt alive. Yeah. And in that moment, it was like, I can't go back there. There is no going back. You know, people have asked me in the past, uh, you know, would you go back to that job if you needed to, or, you know, would you use your degree or things along those lines? And I'm just like, no, like, <laughs> and again, I'm, I'm similar to you in that I didn't even, I didn't hate what I was doing. I didn't quite like it, but it definitely wasn't like, I know some people are like, they hate their jobs and they just right. hate what they're doing. For me, it was just, it was more of like a lack of emotional connection, but that's a great way to put it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, um, and truly that sense of being alive and you, you can't shake that then. So like once you have a taste mm-hmm. of that, it's, it's almost, I, for me, it's been a long journey with struggling to understand that and like how people continue to do that and how they don't shift their lives in another way. And look, I'm not, I'm not shaming anybody here. It's like, whatever works for you works for you. It's just, it's interesting to me, but alive is the word that really sticks with me. Yeah. And I, you know, it's interesting. I think having a strong why is the only thing that will keep you perpetually going, right? Like you and I both know entrepreneurship is a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like there are 
really tough days and you know, the hours you work versus, you know, what you're making, especially in the beginning, if you're looking at it from that equation, it's not worth it. Right. But it's, there's so much more value to it than that. And it's exactly what you're speaking to. It's that knowledge that life can be so much better. And, and really like, I, I almost think that, you know, for those of us who are safe at home, um, not on the front lines, not, you know, um, still have jobs and still have access to food and all that kind of stuff. I think one thing that's almost being asked of us is to really reflect on like what gives our lives meaning, you know, and mm-hmm. and for so many of us, it's been connection and it's also been freedom in a lot of ways, right? Freedom of movement and freedom to see the people we want to see. And, and for me, that, that underlying uh, sense of freedom and possibility that life could be so much better and and there's just always something amazing out there to discover and there's always you know some little joy to find in your day even if it's a totally shitty day there's always something right it's that like gratitude positivity mindset and that's a choice like that mindset mm-hmm. is a choice mm-hmm. your circumstances can be totally shitty but how you relate to them and how you relate to your future and your potential that's what keeps you going, you know, having that to come back to like when we're talking right now, right? Like reminding yourself almost of what it is that lights you up and kind of sets you on fire and makes you feel excited about life. It's so important to have something like that to come back to. And if you haven't found it yet, you need to keep looking. It's like that Steve Jobs quote, right? Like whatever lights you up, like don't settle for anything less. Like you need to keep finding it and, and everybody has passions, right? And again, coming back to that idea of like, we live in the age of possibility. What's so cool is that whatever you're into, other people are into as well, right? Like there's, this is my favorite example. There's a a girl on Instagram who has like 200,000 something followers and all she does is smash her face into food. That's it. She just (laughs) smushes her face. I think it's like bread face or something like that. She just smushes her face into food. I think her handle, her tagline is like giving the people what we didn't know they needed or something like that. That's amazing. But she makes a full-time income from this, right? And like, good on her, right? Like whatever you're into, (laughs) Dungeons and Dragons, fitness, like, you know, travel, whatever it is, there are other people out there. And if there are other people out there who are just as passionate about it as you, or if you can solve a problem for them or bring more possibility into their life, right? Like that's what I really love about coaching too is, you know, for me as a, as a holistic nutritionist who focuses on hormonal health, our hormones are these little chemical messengers that govern pretty much everything we do, right? And when people are feeling exhausted and just gross about themselves because we all have that really negative inner voice, right? And if they're feeling like they just don't have the energy or the confidence or the excitement to go out and do the things that they really want to do, they're not going to get to do those things, right? They're going to, it's going to hold them back. And so for me, my work, it's based in nutrition and it's based in wellness and, you know, exercise and and lifestyle management, all that kind of stuff. But what it's really about is unlocking that future potential for people to have a a better life, to build a better life for themselves. I, I love that because you mentioned future potential there, but you also kind of mentioned it in respect to yourself that, you know, that person that was like feeling that there was more for you. And that was exactly what I felt in my, my desk job too, is like, I, I've just, I have more, I, I can be yeah. offering more. I can be sharing more. I am, I felt like I was like wasting away. And again, it wasn't like, I, I didn't hate the company. I didn't hate my coworker, like nothing like that. It was just like, 
I'm not suited for this role. I can Mm -hmm. be making an impact in a different way. Yeah. For you, because you mentioned, so we're talking about this, talking about future potential. And this really, I mean, it's truly what the podcast is about is that the world needs each one of us. We all have unique gifts to share. Nobody can do what we can do the way we can do it. And that's such a fucking powerful message. And, and if you can internalize that, that's huge. That's an absolute game changer because, you know, for a lot of people, you know, there, there, there's, you know, we talk about limiting beliefs and all these things of like, just kind of getting stuck in an identity of like, oh, I couldn't do that. Or, oh, that's really cool. And I'm interested in it. But uh, like, that's just not me. Like, you know, this is my job. Yeah, this is what I do. How for you, like, what are your thoughts around that? And like, how for you did you shift? And again, I think it's sometimes it's almost harder when you don't hate your job and you're (laughs) like, you kind of like it and it's not so bad. How did you like reverse engineer it? Because I love how you talked about it on a, a high level, but like, how did you really figure out what your why was and is and how you wanted to move forward with it? So my why was kind of thrust on me. <laughs> it was a reckoning, right? And I think, you know, you said the word wasting and that's it. It's like there really, there comes a time when it feels like there isn't any time to waste anymore because it's so clear to you. Um, it kind of reminds me of, of one of my favorite quotes from Anais Nin, which is, and the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to bloom. And I think you almost, you don't have to get to that point, right? Like you can just decide and go for it. That's fine. But I think for me, it was very much like I knew, like I knew in a really deep way that there was something more out there for me. And I knew that if I like, quote unquote, went back to sleep, right? Like I took the blue pill or the red pill, whichever one it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I went back to sleep. There'd be some part of me that would be so unhappy right? And and that fear of what if, what if I had tried? You know, I think for me, my biggest fear has always been sort of waking up at like 55 with the two and a half kids and the white picket fence and, and kind of, you know, not a very aligned and fulfilled life. Not that that can't be, um, but just kind of waking up and being like, how did I get here? What did I do with the last, you know, five decades, right? And And for me, it's so much about that intentionality, right? Building an intentional life where once you have that vision and once you have that hope and that excitement for this dream you have in your head, nobody can take that away from you. And if you try to take that away from you, you'll never really truly be happy, right? Because you'll Mm -hmm. always be wondering like, what if I had gone for it? What if I had started a wildly successful company? Because I think often you know, everybody has that dream in some way, whether or not they realize it, whether or not they're sitting here thinking, you know, I, I wish I knew, right? Because then I'd just go for it. Every, it's in there somewhere. And I think if we don't give it room to run, it kind of haunts us in a way. And we always end up thinking, you know, what if I'd done that, right? And there's those fears of, well, what if I fail? What if I, you know, lose all my money? And what if people laugh at me? What if, you know, I, I waste these years of my life. And the thing that I found is like, I've definitely felt like a failure in business before. Right. And, and you always have those kind of what if, right? Like you said, the limiting beliefs, 
but it's really up to you which voice you want to rule you, right? Like, are you going to be happy? My question is always like, when I'm on my deathbed at whatever age that is, I want to be able to feel at peace knowing that I gave it everything I had with whatever resources I had. And that's, I think, kind of the litmus test for me. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. I think the one thing that we do take for granted is that, because you said there, on my deathbed, whatever age that may be. Mm -hmm. And I think a big thing is we just take for granted that there will always be later. Mm -hmm. We don't face our mortality. We don't face that time is finite. We just assume that we're always going to have later. And I think that that's like a really, really dangerous thing. And obviously that's what you had to come face to face with and and you can't unsee that, but I just think that that's a big part for people and they really don't, it's like we're kind of always delaying the inevitable, right? Instead of taking that leap. And you talked a little bit about failure. We have such a stigma around that, right? Like we are taught from such a young age that failing is bad. Failing is something you should avoid at all costs. Yeah. I'm a great example of that. Like I was a perfectionist and everything like I was just so scared to do anything wrong anything like even the slightest thing and so I think that you know as as parents and leaders in society as teachers one of the best things we can do is to teach our young people to embrace failing yeah and let them do it and let them do it in a, in a safe space right like a container where we're still watching from the sidelines and we're able to support them if they need it but let them fall on their face. Let them mess up. Let them look stupid. <laughs> because if we can feel these things at a younger age, then it's not so scary, right? Like, yeah. I think the fear, and again, you said it too, like, we all have it on some level. But the the big, big difference is that some people are paralyzed by that fear of failure and others can really lean into it and just say, screw it. Like you said, with with the quote, the pain of staying the same ends up being worse. But I, I just, I, I wanted to point out the failure thing because it's such, such a huge thing. And it's like, at the end of the day, you really just have to look at, again, it comes back to your why. It comes back to what matters to you and what's really, really important and, and be able to weigh that. Yeah. And I think what I've learned in retrospect is it's almost freeing to experience the thing you most fear, right? It's that I guess it's that idea of exposure therapy, but yeah, failure to me now looking back, cause I was, you know, I was high achieving. I was sort of similar to you and, and really wanted to, you know, quote unquote, do well, right? Like yep. <laughs> check the boxes, get the cookies. Right. <laughs> um, but what I've learned now looking back, having experienced the thing that I most fear, which is loss, um, I'm actually really grateful for failure and for grief and for the hardest emotions of my life because they've been, like you said, my greatest teachers and they have opened my eyes to the just beautiful array of human experience that there is like even the depths of, of pain. You have to go through that in order to learn and evolve and grow into you know, sort of the next version of yourself, right? Like this idea of your highest self and 
your highest self isn't running from problems. It's, it's looking at them and going, okay, we can do this. You know, we're going to figure this out. We're going to learn as we go through it. But if you don't fail, you don't learn and you don't evolve. Like it's, it's staying tight in that bud. Right. Mm -hmm. Totally. I'm curious for you as we're talking about this and we're talking about, like you said, the age of possibility, which by the way, I feel pretty shitty about myself now that, you know, you mentioned this girl, it's all these followers (laughs) and (laughs) I know it's like an impossible virality thing. Yeah. But I come back to that too with my, my brother's a, a big gamer and these guys that are, these YouTubers that are making millions Mm. and that for me, exactly like you said, we live in the age of possibility. This paradigm that we were raised in, especially like you and I, I'm a little, I'm older than you, but we were, we were raised in a different time than the one we're living in. The education system, society, we haven't quite caught up with this shift that's happening. Yeah. So young people still are, are, you know, there's kind of being a disservice done because they're still being shown this very blueprint way of living <laughs> when really, sure, 30 years ago, yes, that like college was a great thing, something that we should be very grateful for and it's worth paying for and all those things. But for so many people now, there's there's just it may or may not be the right option for you as an individual, but there's just options and young people aren't really getting those options or at least not on a silver platter, but I think that they're starting to feel that, you know, so like I'm 31. So anybody my age and under is really starting to feel the sense that there is a lot out there. There is like all this possibility, but to to kind of wrap all this up into a question for you, <laughs> I'm curious for you when people come to you and are like, because you said it earlier on, you're like, Sam, you're living this digital nomad lifestyle. That's amazing. Like, it's so cool that you do that. I wish I could. I'm sure, like you said, like immediately you're like, well, you can. I'm sure it's like kind of frustrating for you because you're like, well, like just do it. You just have to like put some effort into it. What's, what are your thoughts on it? And what's like the first like one or two things you would tell somebody if that was something where they're like, you're my hero. That's amazing. How do I do that? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I think the first thing to know is like the playing field that you're on, right? And it, it's the wild west. Like, I think what's really interesting is millennials seem to be struggling caught between, um, you know, the the generation that raised us telling us that, you know, here's the blueprint life. And um, coming of age with this technology that nobody knew how to wrangle, right? And so now you see like Gen Zers and younger, all these people coming out, like TikTok is a great example Mm -hmm. where they know how to navigate, like they are natives of this landscape. They know exactly how to navigate it. And so I think people our age in particular are stuck in this really uncomfortable middle ground where they know there's a possibility to harness, but it's maybe not as innate for them or there's this fear of... um, there's almost like performance fear, right? Like we came of age with Facebook where um, we were sort of like the first kids to get access to um, photos of us and our friends being subjected to numbers of approvals in the form of likes, Uh right? Um, So I think 
that like understanding that playing field is really important um, and just where you fall on it and your own limitations in relation to it, because social media really is such an, such an enormous tool, but you can also, it can break some people if you kind of put too much personal value stock in it um, and, and see it more as like a validator as opposed to a form of expression. But in terms of, um, you know, the quick and dirty one and two steps, I would say, no matter what you're interested in, figure out why you want to do this. Right. And, and be really solid on that. Like spend some time. I don't go out into a field or a coffee shop or wherever, sit in your bedroom with a journal, you know, put on some music that really inspires you. I listen to tropical house music all the freaking time. Mm Um, I don't know for some people it might be like, like the Avengers score, but just sit down with a pen and paper and really write out, like ask yourself these questions, be like, okay, what do I want in my life? You know, why do I want that? How do I want to feel? Not just what do I want to do? Because what you want to do will, will stem from that. And that's when it's really aligned is when it's, you know, doing that self-reflection and figuring out what are your values? What's important to you? What do you really want to have in your life? Um, you know, for me, it's freedom is one of my, my biggest guiding principles um, and connection. And so for me, that really helped inform, okay, I want to have a a freedom business. So a a remote business, and I want to connect with people in the form of coaching. Um, And then I think having that to come back to also when you do start down this road is really important. And then do your research, right? Like figure out if you want to work for yourself. That's a really big question, right? Some people don't. And now Mm -hmm. with this pandemic, things are going online at a really rapid rate. Remote jobs are springing up all over the place and it doesn't just have to be for tech anymore. Um, so, you know, start thinking about your skill sets and your passions and, and how you like to spend your time, right? So if you like to paint, maybe you want to invest in like a $15, you know, Skillshare or Udemy course on graphic design, right? And figuring out how to bring the activities that give you joy into your working life so that you're not just, you know, waiting for the clock to hit five at every, every at the end of every day. You know, you can wake up excited about what you're going to do because it's really about infusing that into your life. Not, you know, again, like we talked about, like not waiting for someday, but, but making someday now and really, really having that as part of your work and your play and your relationships. I love that. Thanks for sharing. It, it's so interesting because the, the, the work that I do with people is, is helping them kind of do this really is like figure out what they most want in life and, yeah. and how they, can do that, how they can, you said it, wake up excited. Like that's, that's what I use on a lot of my messaging is because I know that's what so much of us want. Right. And we come back to feeling alive. It's, I find it interesting how many people come to me and they don't know their values. They don't know what they prioritize in their life. They don't know what's important. And look, I'm not, I'm not up here like saying that I'm better than anybody because (laughs) I had to get really sick in order for me to figure that out for myself. You went through really difficult life things to figure that out for yourself. Like we had very kind of come to Jesus moments or like eye opening moments of like, holy shit, I have to sit down and do this. So I love that you're kind of inviting people to do that now. And it's just, it's so interesting that we really truly don't live a values driven life we just kind of follow the step by step and and like you're saying especially i think for like millennial generation you get kind of lost in this middle ground because 
you haven't made it far enough along in your career to basically just be like, okay, well now I just got to make it to retirement, but you're also not on the earlier side. And so I just feel like so many of these people are really stuck and frustrated because it's like they are torn and it's like, what, what do I do now? But they haven't been taught. We haven't been taught to create a life design a life is is a word that I really, really like recently around principles. Mm. It's just these kind of very abstract things. Like you were saying before, the white picket fence, the the nice house, the kids. And again, if that is what you want, great. But I would say for the vast majority of people now, especially young people, that isn't it. We just, we live in a different world and people's priorities are so different. So values are key like that for you. You said freedom is one of those things for you because here's the thing is then it makes things simple, not necessarily easy. Like, like you said, entrepreneurship is hard. Life is fucking hard. Like (laughs) things are still difficult, but it makes it simple because at any given point, you, if you're feeling a little bit stuck in your business or things don't feel great, you can come back to, hey, do I still have, am I still honoring these values, these principles yeah. that I set for myself? Yeah. Yes, I still have freedom. Yes, I still have this. And, oh, I don't really have this. I'm not really matching this other aspect anymore. Now I can tweak that. You're in fucking control. You yeah. are in control of your life when you know yeah. those things. But until you do that work to figure out what those things are for yourself, you're always going to be looking for something externally. You said that earlier, looking mm-hmm. to the circumstances around you and not being in control yourself. So as you can see, I'm slightly passionate about that. <laughs> That's something we share. It's true though. I think you know a lot of people will tell you, I want to be happy, right? Don't we all? But what does that mean to you? Right. Like I remember being a teenager and like a kid and I was just obsessed with like, I was like, I just want to be happy. Right. Like that's what I, that's my goal in life. And it took this for me to really like spell out for myself what that actually means to me. And, and you're right. Like it's, it is easier when you have these principles to look back on and be like, wait, does this match up with what I said I wanted? And either do I have to evolve what I wanted to match, you know, what I, what's, what I now know about myself, or do I have to change my situation? And I think a great question to ask yourself is like, you know, you see those, those like points, hackers, like investor people, like bloggers, whatever, who I sound like such a 75 year old, like conspiracy theorist when I say that, but um, you know, you see these people who are like, oh, I, I retired at 35. And you look at that and you're like, I think most people are like, that's awesome. I want to do that. And it's like, "Mm, okay, but why? Like, what will you do with your time? And again, bring it back to like that, the pandemic asking us like what's important to us and how we want to spend our time. Because I think a lot of us just fill our hours with work because it's what's expected of us. And and of course, like we all need to make a living. Right. But, um, you know, what would you do if nobody was paying you? Like if you had, if somebody just gave you a yearly salary and you could like retire at 35, what would you do with your time? Like what makes you feel really alive and excited about your days? And that's kind of a good question to ask yourself if you're kind of, you know, wondering, okay, I don't know what it is yet that lights me up and then figure out a way to do that for a living or, or bring it into your life more. Love that. The one thing that was coming to me as you were talking about that and 
kind of connecting it to what you said earlier about possibility. Like you said, we just have so much information. We can get our hands on everything we need. I, I truly think that universities are in trouble because I mm-hmm. think that in 10 to 20 years, shit's going to catch up to them because you don't, and again, for some people that is the right route, but here's the thing, you don't need them anymore. Like yeah. you simply don't. For for a few degrees, yes, you absolutely need that. But for so many things, even for me, personal training, that part of my business, I got a degree. So I left my corporate job and I got a personal training certification for a thousand bucks. I don't know what you paid for your nutritional therapy school, but it's like a few thousand, right? It's not like yeah. It, you're it's, not paying it's not a college degree. <laughs> yeah, right. You're not paying $60,000 or $100,000. And so I I think that's interesting. But what I wanted to come back to was, you know, we talked about the options thing, but also for whatever reason this is coming up for me was permission. I think so many people are looking for permission. And if you can just give that to yourself and understand that you have the power to do that, you don't have to ask anybody. You don't have to ask your mom or your dad. And, you know, I don't know what age you are listening to this podcast, but, (laughs) but, you know, you don't have to ask your mom or dad. You don't have to ask your friends. So much of us, so many of us do not trust ourselves enough to make a decision that is right for us. And we, we keep waiting for somebody to give us permission to do something I want that, you know, we want, I want, is that something that you've seen? That is so key. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think it's something that doesn't get talked about enough, right? Like you, you get a lot of those motivational messages to like, just go do it. And I'm sure that like, we've been spouting our own during this podcast, but um, yeah, I I think we we grew up in a society that teaches us not to um, trust ourselves and to look to authority figures um, for permission. And, you know, some people's personalities are, are, you know, more in the leader role and some people are more in the follower role, but you can be that for yourself. Um, I think what's really interesting too was um, I trusted myself so much less in my first year of entrepreneurship than I ever had before. I never doubted what I was trying to build, but I doubted the way I was going about it. And I think part of that is when you are just starting out part of this, like cheaper, um, you know, education model where there are a lot of people who are offering, you know, I'm a business coach or I'm a Facebook ads funnel coach, right? Like everybody has their thing that they're selling now. Everybody has an online course and, you know, program and all that kind of stuff. And, and what I found was an unfortunate side effect of, you know, opting into all those email lists to get those freebies and, and get all that information was that I started getting a lot of messages that I didn't know enough, right? That's how you sell in, in a lot of, you know, marketing situations Mm -hmm. is you don't have the answers. I have the answers. You don't know what you're doing, but if you pay me, I'll give you all the answers. And Mm -hmm. I I realized at the end of my first year in business, I, I had written this like long letter to myself of like things I wish I'd known when I first started. And one of the things I said was trust yourself more, you know, mm. like anything you don't know now you can learn, but you know, I think it's really easy to look outside for that information, especially when you're trying to teach yourself, because I think this leap, right. To make your life into something that really excites you and to, to fundamentally shift how you spend your time, earn your money, all those things 
it requires a lot of, of like rebuilding on your part. And so you're always learning. And I think giving yourself permission, it's almost, I don't know if it's, it's permission, but it's also like acceptance, you know, like just accepting that, like what you are dreaming about is okay. Mm -hmm. And that like, you deserve that, you know, you're deserving of that. You don't need to pre-qualify to, to be worthy. You may not feel worthy right now. And that's, actually kind of a really beautiful invitation to look at why, right. And, and grow out of that. Like we were saying, mm-hmm. but it's, it's that, uh, acceptance of yourself and, and yeah, that acceptance and permission I think is really important. Yeah. So, so huge. Uh, I feel like we've hit on so many really meaningful topics around kind of just like taking control of your life and, mm. Uh, that's what it feels like to me. We keep talking around, you know, we're using different words to describe different aspects of it, but truly it's really a matter of taking back your life and just understanding like, this is mine. This is mine to do with it. What I want. It's not anybody else's. If you can let go of all those things and you said it beautifully, there was, accepting what it is that you're feeling. I call it like the little mm-hmm. voice inside you, right? Like yeah. we, we, like you said earlier, we all have that on some level. It's not saying you need to go out and start your own business like we have, but on some level, there's some part of you that wants to do something a little bit more than you are now. And if you can just listen to that little voice more and, and trust it, and know that it's valid and that that's like, that is you, that's you speaking. That is your soul, your essence, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, like capital that, Y you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that is what you need to listen to. And you can do so in little bits and pieces. You don't have to make this big shift in your life. You yeah. hear that voice and just, Oh shit, well, I need to change everything. It doesn't have to start that way, but honor that, listen to that be able to acknowledge it and take whatever, you know, comfortable action steps. They got to be a little uncomfortable sometimes, but (laughs) take scary and exciting. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Take those action steps to at least start moving in that direction. Yeah. It's, it's taking that slow and steady progress. Totally. Sam, I want to switch topics totally on you for a second and ask something that I just got super curious about (laughs) when I read your, the form that you filled out before this, but also, as you mentioned earlier, the whole world of healthcare is so interesting to me. I myself have gone a more holistic health route with a lot of the things that I've dealt with over the past few years. (laughs) I just happened to notice that you're like, you said your mom, her background as an Eastern doctor and your dad was Western. So this is something that I find so frustrating in that I felt, you know, I felt like these two things are usually fighting one another. There's so much, there's just this kind of butting of heads of like, there's only one way to do things. This way is terrible. This way is like legit. This way is not. And so how did like do you have any idea how they met and it was like totally cool and harmonious because <laughs> that, oh. like, that to me is like it just doesn't happen but it's I think it's a beautiful thing and I think personally that if 
if we could really figure out how to realize that there's a gray area and be accepting of there being space for all, you know, like everything has a place. There may be certain good things and bad things about both, but like if we could have more of a conversation about it, if we could have a a space to talk together and collaborate instead of just immediately assuming that, Oh, you know, this person is, has labeled themselves as this so that they must be stupid. They must be a quack or so I'm just kind of blabbing there, but like, what are, you know, if you feel like sharing, what are your thoughts around that? And, and even your parents, cause that to me was just <laughs> like, that's so interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so I think for one, my dad was, uh, I think he had just graduated or he was graduating. He was no, my dad was in med school when they met. Um, my mom wasn't yet, um, in acupuncture school. She started when I was maybe two or three, Um, so my dad was already in Western medicine and then my mom kind of came into Eastern medicine later, but she was always very holistically minded. Like we were the kids who like didn't have goldfish at home and like ate, you know, the weird healthy lunches that the other kids were like, (laughs) um, which I'm grateful for in retrospect, but really sucked when you couldn't have Lunchables. Um, right there with you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I know I agree. Um, thankfully, you know, my dad was also very holistically minded in, he was like, I'm going to, I'm going to humble brag on his part for a second. He was consistently voted one of the top 100 doctors in the United States. And he mm. was really adamant about the shortcomings of Western medicine in a, it's, you know, the issues of communicating in medical speak, you know, right. Like, like translating it into layman's terms. He was really passionate about making medicine more accessible, um, but also taking, you know, sort of a life cycle approach to medicine. So he had a very hands-on touch with his patients and and he ended up writing a book. Um, it's called Younger Next Year. And it was basically about like, not just, you know, basically all of these, well, I guess I'll backtrack. Medicine at its best is holistic, right? Western, Eastern, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. The issue that I have with, um, you know, women's health in particular and sort of why I ended up in the hormonal health um, specialty is because... Um, I'm going to get off on a totally different tangent for a second, but um, we don't really understand women's bodies that well. A lot of our medical research is done on men and of women of postmenopausal age because women go through multi-week hormonal cycles. Men have 24-hour hormonal cycles, so they're a lot easier to study. Um, and what I end up getting kind of frustrated with is this idea that Western medicine holds all the keys. Western medicine is amazing at what it does. You know, it's very good at treating acute illnesses. Um, there are definitely medications out there that are vital. Um, and if you need medication, absolutely, you should be taking it. But my frustration comes when um, it's it's served up as the only option. Or, you know, I think often in, in, especially, you know, with period problems, right? Like you go to a doctor and you say, oh, I haven't had a period in three months. And they say, okay, we'll put you on the pill. Or you go to the doctor and you're like, I have cramps so bad, I have to miss work, which by the way, is not normal. And you don't have to live with that. Um, and they'll say, okay, here, go on the pill, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And you come to that, you know, and this is the same thing over and over yeah. and over again, because we just try and over-medicate women's cycles by using synthetic hormones to suppress the way our brains talk to our ovaries and completely suppress our ovulatory cycle. Um, and I think maybe that, that issue that I felt, you know, I experienced that with my own health journey. Um, I had PCOS. They just put me on the pill and a lot of women have really awful reactions to it. Like really, really like 
don't even feel like themselves. They have such bad mood swings, you know, pain, acne, weight gain, whatever it is. And I just find it really frustrating that like Western medicine hasn't done better. And I think that, you know, neither, neither holistic or alternative medicine nor Western medicine has it all figured out. I think some intersection of the two, right? Like I think alternative medicine does a great job of filling the gaps where Western medicine falls short. And that, that was kind of like a directionless tangent, but <laughs> yeah, no, I have yeah. many thoughts on, on that topic. No, I, I appreciate it. It's, it is really interesting to get your point of view on that, given your area of expertise, your personal experience, but also your professional experience. Um, something that we've done a lot of work with here with my wife. Um, she yeah. recently, she went off, actually she went off, um, she had a Mirena mm. and so she had that for a few years. She was on the pill before that. So she came off a little over a year ago and she had, so she had been in some form of birth control for like a decade and, yeah. and it was something that was given to her. What was it? I think it was, I think she was having like cystic acne or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they put her on it like she wasn't even worried about safe sex or like any, like anything at that point that like, wasn't even it. So she's had her own chronic health issues. Um, she has Hashimoto's and autoimmune disease. And so that was like one of the things we've done, you know, she's been able to to do a lot in the past few years in terms of really figuring her shit out from a health perspective. But the, we realized that, that the pill was like really a big part of that and because mm-hmm. of like how it can essentially drain your body of, of certain nutrients right oh yeah so so yeah so I'm I'm aware of it and I, I do believe that the the work you're doing is absolutely crucial and really if it's not like <laughs> even if it's at, at its lowest point like if you can just I'm sure this is what you love doing like just informing. Right. And I think that's the frustrating part with, at least that's kind of what I'm hearing. Like what you're saying about like Western medicine is like, you're just not informed. There is no, there's no Mm -hmm. conversation here. It's like, take a pill and (laughs) for lack of a better term, like shut up and go home and that's it. And that's, that's really shitty that there's no further in-depth piece to that. Yeah. I mean, 60% of women on hormonal birth control are on it for non-contraceptive reasons, which basically means either they're part of a small percentage of the population for whom it's, it's the only way to control their symptoms or their medical team didn't give them all the options. Right. And I think what's really frustrating is, you know, to me, informed healthcare is good healthcare. And so Mm -hmm. much of women's healthcare right now is not informed and what's really frustrating is, and I think the place that I can kind of fill the gap here as this, you know, human child of the intersection of these two, you know, medical worlds yep. is when you talk about the failings or shortcomings of Western medicine, you're automatically seen as sort of a fringe, um, you know, alternative theory, like anti-vaxxer type person, right? Right. And I think it's important to look at it from a very balanced standpoint and acknowledge that like women should still absolutely have access to the pill and access to hormonal IUDs and all of these things. It's done amazing things for women's, you know, um, freedom and economic possibilities and all these things. But 
it's that information that's really, really missing um, in terms of, you know, I think pretty much I'm, I'm personally shocked when I have a client who comes to me and it's like, yeah, I went on birth control and, and my doctor told me all of the side effects before I decided to take it, you know, and, and it's, mm. it's, there can be some really yeah. nasty stuff and we just kind of sweep it under the rug because women have been taking it since the fifties. But you look at the trials that have been done on, on birth control for men and they shut it down after a couple of weeks because they just decided that the side effects, which were a third of what women experience, a third of the list were too horrific to continue, you know? And I heard it said one, one time, like, why not figure out how to shoot blanks instead of having to wear a bulletproof vest? <laughs> <laughs> like, I think there are just so many, there's just so much unexplored territory here. But um, the thing that really bothers me, and you're right, like the thing that really excites me is information. It's mm-hmm. educating women. I kind of view myself as like the translator, right? So your symptoms yeah. are basically your body trying to tell you what's wrong. Right. And we just don't teach women how to speak that language. We mm-hmm. encourage them to disassociate from their bodies and to view their like physical looks as a stand in for personal worth um, and to focus so much on like weight and, you know, beauty and all of these things. When in reality, most women don't know, like, A, you cannot get pregnant every single day of your cycle. B, like you have four different phases of your hormonal cycle and each one of them, your brain, your body, your energy, your focus, your ability to socialize, they're all changing and you're more optimized at different times for different um, tasks, basically. Like, you know, early in your cycle, you may be better at completing tasks and later in your cycle, you might, you know, feel the urge to... Um, get sorry flip that so earlier in your cycle you're more creative and brainstorming and open to new ideas and that's a great time to plan new projects Um, when you're in your ovulatory phase it's a great time to do you know podcast interviews or anything social because that's when you're feeling really extroverted your body wants to get you out there because that's how you're going to get laid and get pregnant and that's the whole (laughs) goal of your body's hormonal cycle with um, you know your period and everything and I think just teaching women that there's so much more to living in a female body than than what we give them, you know, in our very, very poor excuse for sex ed in schools Mm, um, mm -hmm. is really important. And just knowing that there are alternatives and scientific backed ways that are not medication um, that, you know, are on the table for you if you want it. And that's the kind of work that I do as a coach is, um, you know, I use my training as a nutritionist and I help women, especially those with PCOS figure out, okay, what's driving my symptoms, right? Is it inflammation, adrenal issues, nutrition, stress, um, any of those kinds of things. And then how do we build a personalized plan that gives me the tools to reconnect with and listen to my body. So I know when things are coming and how things are changing and what to do for that. Yeah, that's my, that, thank you for coming to my TED Talk kind of moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love, we finally got you to the point where you could, I love getting people on their, their own soapbox because yeah. <laughs> we've all got our thing. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing all of it. I do think it's, it's so, so important, especially being with somebody, you know, so I've seen enough of that like very up close and personal, mm. um, as somebody who has sisters, like <laughs> I totally, yeah. I totally get the whole thing and just, yeah, like why it's so, so important. Um, so thank you for the work that you do and, and for sharing some of it here on the podcast. People, if you're a woman listening to this, you should go follow <laughs> Sam. Um, like go look into her stuff. 
Sam, if, if they aren't quite ready to reach out to you, what would you say? Again, I'm going to ask you the, the one or two step question. Um, what would you say if, if that kind of like struck a chord with them or like, Oh shit, like I really don't know too much about this. Are there quick and easy resources? Or, I mean, even if there are any of your own, anything that you think women should really, um, like the very first thing to sink their teeth into. Yeah. Um, I think the number one thing that I've seen in my practice as being most effective is balancing your blood sugar. (laughs) It's Mm. not super sexy, but, um, you know, when our blood sugar is out of whack, it releases this whole cascade of chemicals and hormonal messages that, um, can really impact our symptoms and, and inflammation and acne and, um, you know, androgens and all these different things. Um, so, you know, focusing on like fat and protein as opposed to processed, you know, simple carbs and getting your carbs in the form of like complex carbs, like sweet potatoes and grains and stuff like that. Um, that's like a pretty basic thing that you can, it's, it's tough though. Like shifting your diet is pretty tough. Um, but you know, focusing like my whole thing is 80, 20. So focusing 80% on getting, you know, whole foods that come from the earth, really nutrient dense stuff, um, trying to avoid more processed foods as much as possible, um, you know, focusing on like getting a quarter of your plate protein, a quarter of your plate, you know, starchy carbs, and then a quarter, like the rest of the half of it being, you know, green vegetables and things like that. It's pretty simple, pretty foundational, but it, it you'd be shocked how powerful it is. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's, that's a, a really great first step and totally makes sense. I hope my, um, 20 year old sister is listening to this. <laughs> Elizabeth, <laughs> go change your diet, damn it. <laughs> no, I'm like currently you said. Um, in the process of redoing my website. So it won't be up until about three more weeks. I think we're kind of, we're doing a big overhaul. So that'll definitely be a resource um, when it's live. But in the meantime, anybody who is part of my community on Instagram will tell you my DMS are always open. I'm always having conversations and chatting with people there. So if you do have any questions, you're more than welcome to just hop on Instagram. You can find me at be well and wander um, and just pop me in the, pop me a little DM and say hi. And, and I'm happy to answer your questions. Awesome. Yeah. And by the time this goes live, um, you should have, you should, you, you've got a little bit of time. So that's true. That's <laughs> so true. So the website the site, will be live. Yeah. The site should be up by then. So yeah, you guys go check that out. Uh, Sam, this has been so much fun. I've got a quick little segment here to finish us up, but before we jump into that, anything, I just want to make sure, you know, to finish giving you your soapbox moment here, if you had <laughs> anything else along the, the women's health lines that you really, really wanted to share, um, if you have anything. I think sort of along the lines of what we were talking about with trusting yourself and and your dreams, it's also really important to trust your instincts as a woman. I can't tell you how many women have come to me and said, I just felt like something was wrong, but everyone was telling me that thing, you know, my, my blood tests were normal or that, you know, this was normal and nobody was really taking me seriously. And the transformations that we're able to achieve by listening to her body are just so unbelievably powerful so don't discount that. Um, just, you know, if you don't get the right answer, but you feel like something is off, keep looking, keep being your own health advocate, keep educating yourself, reach out to professionals like me, just keep going because there are answers out there for you. And living in a female body doesn't have to be inherently unpleasant. I think that's the main thing I want people to know. Thank you. That's, that's amazing. That's uh, something that my wife has experienced herself. Mm. Um, she did a really great podcast episode where 
Um, she basically talks about how she got mad. Like she got pissed <laughs> off and was eventually like, she just stopped listening to people tell her no, or that things yep. just had to be this way. <laughs> and so I know, you know, you're nodding your head. I've, I know your story, like you've been there too. And it's just so crucial. And I want to, I'm going to zoom out just a little bit from that and say that this absolutely applies to our entire conversation as well. Mm-hmm. And it, so much of it comes back to you always know what's best for you always hands down. Absolutely. And so if you feel that this is kind of, I think we talked a little bit around this, like looking for validation, looking for permission. This is one of those things where it's like, you have to believe yourself. And I know it's so, so hard if people are repeatedly telling you, no, you're fine. No, like just stop making it up. It's okay. You don't actually hate your job. You have a good job. Oh, your health (laughs) issues are fine. Your period stuff, like don't worry about that. At the end of the day, you always know best. I can almost assure you that you are not crazy. So I just kind of wanted to put a little bit of a cherry on top of that with Sam said it like just so, so important for any part of your life. And, and so, yeah, that's, that's huge. Yeah. So well said. All right, Sam, the final, final thing I want to do with you here, I've got a quick um, three question thing that I call the visionary hat trick. (laughs) It's a, are you familiar with hockey? Uh, I've attended a couple games. I wouldn't say I know how it works. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So hat trick is a hockey term for, for three goals. (laughs) Um, but I, I believe that we're all visionaries in our own way. Like we talked about a little bit earlier, we all have something to give. We all have something to share that is uniquely us. So these questions are just a kind of like, just a little bit like fun stuff. Um, just quick, quick answers just from the heart. If you have nothing, that's totally fine too. Um, the first question is what's a belief that you have that, may sound a little bit crazy or you've been worried about being judged for? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, what's a belief I have? That's so funny. My, my brain just went blank. Um, worry about being judged for. I don't know if you can call it a belief, but maybe like plant intelligence. I just oh, watched the okay. documentary um, Fantastic Fungi, which if you haven't seen it is amazing and you Ooh, will blow your mind but that. but i guess like my belief is sort of that like nature is like the most intelligent thing out there and like it kind of knows better than us mm-hmm. right like if you um you know like in the documentary they were talking about like magic mushrooms for example and they say like you know a lot of like folk medicine um healers will say like the plant will tell you if you're using it correctly right like and i think that I think like plants know a lot more than we give them credit for, like not know as in the way we do, but like, if you look into like the way trees communicate or like the mycelium of like a fungus, it's pretty insane. Um, And I think for a lot of people, the idea that like plants can communicate or like have some form of feelings would be kind of a crazy thing. So maybe that's what I would answer. (laughs) I think that's good. I think enough people would like give you a little sideways. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, but no, I, I think I just read a post of yours recently about adaptogens and that's kind yeah. of falls in that category, right? Of a, a plant substance having some sort of, of wisdom or knowledge. And again, mm-hmm. like you said, it's not the same way. We're not saying it in the same way that we do, but <laughs> 
the whole idea of an adapt- adaptogen is pretty, pretty freaking cool. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, are you familiar with Paul Stamets? Like, did they talk about him at all? Yeah, they did. Now I am. Cause they talked about him in the documentary. Okay. But I really want to read his books now. Okay. Yeah. I haven't, I've only like dabbled in some of his uh, YouTube videos and stuff, but so, so interesting. So I'm like, I'm 100% going to watch the documentary. It sounds amazing. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can rent it on Vimeo. Um, and I ended up downloading Michael Pollan's new book. I love his food writing and that's actually a great place to start. If like somebody wants to get into like whole food based diet, but, mm. um, his book, how to change your mind on like psychedelic research just seems really interesting to me. I've never tried it, but, um, I don't know. I think the whole field is just fascinating. So I started that on audiobook, and I've been listening to it on my walks. He also awesome. has such a soothing voice. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I'll have to check it out. I'm writing down all the books right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Question number two is as you continue to grow and develop your personal vision, what does that look like and what impact will that have like at its ideal? That's a really, really good question. Um, I was kind of doing like a visualization of like my future one day and um, kind of like, I call it like future casting sometimes. <laughs> like yeah, just love that. Just like getting excited about like the possibilities of the future and just what you can dream up. And um, I just kind of got this like image of me as like a 90 something year old woman sitting on like a bench like overlooking the ocean and I have like my whole family's like playing behind me and whatever. And, and like me at this age, like 20 something me is kind of like sitting there with her and, and like old me just kind of turns to her and, and, or like young me kind of asks like, so what was it like? And older me just kind of turns to her and says, it was so much better than you could ever imagine. Mm. And I really like coming back to that because I'm a multi-passionate person and I, I know that I will not do one thing forever. Like I, I used to envy the people who were like, I want to be a doctor. That's all I've ever wanted to be. And that's what I'm going to be. Um, so I think that kind of leaves it open to feel really excited about the future, but not have to, um, get married to like one vision. Right. Because there's that phrase, like nothing fucks us up in life, like the vision in our heads of how it's supposed to be. Cause it's always going to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being like open and excited for whatever that really means day to day. That is beautiful. Like I'm over here, like I'm like an emotional, just <laughs> you talking about your own, your own future casting, uh, just because I think that's so powerful. And I think as long as we're open to that, like, yeah, our life experiences really can be just so much more than we would ever even imagine them to be. Yeah. I think it, it might've been a, a Bowie quote. I could be completely butchering this. Maybe not him, but I think it is um, where he said, I don't know where I'm going from here, but I know it won't be boring. Mm. I was like, that's, that's what I like to come back to. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally hear you on the multi-passionate thing, by the way. That's like, yeah. yeah. One of the reasons why I'm like, I'm not going back to school because I want to do a different thing in 10 years anyways, or not necessarily yeah. like a whole different thing, but some other path that I'll want to wander down, you know? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I think that's a, a shortcoming of social media right now is like, the formula to like, quote unquote, grow is to be one thing, but no one actually is. We're all multidimensional. Yeah. Oh, yep. Totally. <laughs> all right. <laughs> the final question here, we're zooming all the way out. What's your hope for humanity? Oh. Um. Intentionality. 
more than anything. I think that at the root of, I'd say compassion, understanding, and intentionality, because I think at the root of a lot of strife is misunderstanding. Um, You know, we tend to fear what we don't know, and that includes people um, and ways of life. And I think what being sort of a perpetual traveler now, I've been to, I think, 30 countries, which is, I, I want to pinch myself saying that, but what that has really shown me is like, I remember when I graduated college, I I went to Central Park with my dad and we sat down on a bench and and I had this amazing problem, which was I had no idea what I wanted to do because I was so multi-passionate. I was like, I have, I've been afforded every advantage in life. I live in an amazing country. I have an amazing education. You know, I come from a supportive and like comfortable family. And there's obviously, you know, some guilt that comes with that. But at the same time, I was like, I just, I, I, I know that there are so many different ways to live a good life. I wish I could just like experience the sampler platter of life and then pick one. Right. Like I'm like little naive, like newly graduated me was saying, and what I didn't realize I was saying was, was being a digital nomad because I think, you know, learning that there are so many different ways to live a good life and to respect what that means to other people. Right. Is so important. And, and to move through life intentionally, I think, you know, being like an awake human being and being awake really means like understanding yourself and understanding how you relate to the world. It really helps with um, moving beyond this idea of, you know, ego, where I think a lot of our um, troubles as a human race is driven by selfishness, (laughs) right? Like you look at climate change and that's certainly part of it. And I know I play my part, Um, but it's also driven by, a lack of understanding for other people. And I think if we can see our own shortcomings and head them off, you know, and not be so reactionary and grow through adversity, as opposed to feeling, you know, like this was put upon us or there's somebody to blame. I think that can breed humans that are more awake and aware and compassionate. And I think that's what we really need. I I 100% agree. (laughs) It's just like so good. It's interesting. So I am not well-traveled like you, but I've had that exact feeling. My wife Mm -hmm. and I, especially during quarantine, we actually just recently watched some more of um, Anthony Bourdain and, and his shows. And that was like the one thing that, you know, I know people get like, have like strong opinions on him and who he was as a person and things like that. But it's like, if you, you can let go of all that stuff for a second. And, and yeah, he, he was an, he was a righteous ass at times, but <laughs> you know what? The thing that I love so much about him that we love so much about him is like, he goes to these places and he just has the utmost respect for these yeah. people. He is 100% open. All he wants to do is learn and experience. And that to me is just so beautiful. He didn't want to change anything. He didn't want to come in there and exploit their culture. He was truly going there and just wanting to share that with the world. So it was an awesome thing for us to be doing during quarantine, getting that kind of taste of the world, taste of travel. Traveling from Um, the couch. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, as you were saying that, that went through my head too, because I, 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 I think that's it. That's really the answer. And really all that is rooted in, like you said, compassion and understanding and to highlight what you said there too, it does all start with us because if we can't embody those things, if we can't be that, 
And that's been part of my journey. Like I, I'm not, I'm not afraid to say that. Like that's oh, been yeah. part of my journey. I've, I've struggled with, um, you know, I, I feel very strongly about what I believe. I'm very, I'm a very passionate person yeah. and I always have the best intentions in mind, but it can come off harsh on the other side. So what I've learned is being able to be very open and and curious is the word that I come back to for myself. I, That's great. I'm probably going to get that tattooed on me at some point because like that's <laughs> tattooed in my brain. I guess I don't need it on my body, but I think that getting curious about anything and everything yeah, and just stop thinking that we have the answers is, yeah. I love that word. That's, <clears throat> that's so perfect. That's exactly it. We should all come at it with curiosity instead of preconceived notions. Uh, one step at a time. <laughs> <laughs> Changing one person at a time. That's how, that's how we got to do it, right? There you go. Starting with us. Yep. So, so true. <laughs> Sam, thank you so much. This has been an absolute blast and I so thank appreciate you. your time and energy. Yeah, no, this has been, this has been so wonderful. Thank you so much for creating this podcast in the first place and for having me on. You are so, so welcome. Um, we did mention it earlier, but if people want to find you, Instagram and website, correct? Yeah. Okay. So Instagram is at bewellandwander, W-A-N-D-E-R. Sometimes I get the other one. Um, and just bewellandwander.com. Awesome. And I will have those links in the show notes below. It said, check Sam out especially if you're a woman and wanting to know a little bit more about your body and it's hormonal ebbs and flows. It's all amazing. You just have to know how to, how to harness it, right? Absolutely. It's, it's right there for you to tap into. You just got to know what to do. Awesome. Sam, thanks so much. Thank you. Hey, yo. Thanks so much for listening. I truly hope you enjoyed today's episode. Just a reminder that all the relevant links can be found in the show notes below as well as that of our free Facebook community, where all the cool kids are at, just being ourselves, sharing our gifts, and supporting the hell out of one another. So come on in, introduce yourself, and join the party. See you in there.